the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with Renee Paquette. This is where we mash up the best of the week. We take our interviews from Tuesday and Thursday, what those episodes were. We take those highlights. We put them together all here in one convenient place for your listening pleasure. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy what we've put together here for you guys. And if you want to go back and listen to these interviews in their entirety, you can do that right here where you're listening as it is. Um, So anywhere you guys are listening to podcasts, you can go back and find those full length interviews. But otherwise we've, uh, we've done a little bit of heavy lifting for you and gave you guys some of the highlights from what, from what you want to hear. But you know, we're so lucky with all the amazing guests that we have on oral sessions that I'm sure If you're fans of these people, you're going to want to go back and hear more of their story here, more of who these people are and what makes them tick and what has led to their success, all that fun stuff. Um, I love what I get to do here and I love getting to chat with all these interesting and fascinating people. It's a hell of a time. And yeah, now we just get to do a little best stuff here on the weekend. So here we go. Let's get into it. Here's the best stuff from this week on Oral Sessions. Hello, Renee. Thank you for having me on your program once more. Once again, I love a repeat customer. I love it. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it means a lot to me. How many other repeats do you have? I've had Rami on as a repeat. Um, I've had John on as a repeat, but that's just because he lives here. So like, if I'm like really (laughs) in a pinch, I'm like, can you hop on here with me really quick? Um, Not because I find him extra interesting. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, and punk. Oh, God, and punk. Yeah. Sorry. CM Punk as well. Yes, yes, yes. The voice of the voiceless, all that. But you're back. I am back. How are you? What's going on? How's your life treating you? It's good. I am tired, though. I'm very (laughs) tired. And I realize that that is uh, what comes with uh, having this title. But uh, no, things have been very good. Everyone has been far too sweet. And I'm I'm working on my natural instinct is to to squirm and to deflect and like to hide when everyone is being so nice. But I'm trying to get better at accepting these compliments. So I'll just say thank you. So yesterday I went to meet up with our now mutual friend, Andreas Hale, and I was like, oh, like how, what's your like story with Big E? How'd you guys meet? He's like, oh, we like, you know, he's an MMA fan and we have been chatting. He goes, we're also both really bad at accepting compliments and we deflect and we score. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> solid foundation for a friendship. <laughs> honestly, honestly, all three of us are like that too. Uh, Cause it's, it's me, Andreas and Jonathan Davenport who designs our gear. And all three of us are working on our short film together, Our Heroes Rock. And all three of us are the exact same way. Uh, but I love complimenting those guys. I, I just want to see them squirm really. <laughs> I do it. I don't, I like to give it, but I don't like to receive at all. So I think if you are, you're starting to really think about it, like, Hey, how do I accept these compliments? But then if you just give like a thank you, someone's like, God, this guy's an asshole. Like, all right, this guy, (laughs) you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I don't know. It's crazy. This is true. You've been busy as all hell, obviously. I mean, you win the WWE championship, you cash in the money in the bank contract, you rock everyone's freaking minds. Uh, and now you're just doing all of the media, right? Everyone wants a little piece of Big E. Honestly, probably because of the pandemic, it hasn't been too crazy because I'm sure I, I would have been flying to certain locales. But I mean, I guess the other end of that spectrum is now that everyone knows you're easily available on Zoom. 
it's just you got to do all the interviews. So, uh, but yeah, like I'll, I'll do them from the comfort of my home. But yeah, it's not bad. I mean, that's like a, both like a blessing and a curse. It's nice to be able to work from home. I do all of my shit from home now. So it's great. But it also is like, oh, my God, like it puts you in like a weird mindset, like working from home's a trip. Do you find that when you like have to flip on the camera and you're just like, I don't know, walking from like one room to another or like you stay central. You don't like move around, but do you like get weird about people seeing inside your house or anything? I used to. I used to definitely. But then I realized all the houses in my neighborhood and like in Florida are kind of built the same anyways. And I have I have nothing of note on my walls. So you you like it it looks like a model home. So there's really (laughs) I realize like no one really cares. No one's going to know. There's nothing really intimate here. So I kind of got over that. As you can see by looking at my back wall, (laughs) there's nothing there. There's nothing on the walls. It's a beautiful beige wall. Thank you very much. It's looked exactly the same for the last eight years. Uh, and I'm not going to change. There are people who try to send me things to hang up on the wall. Uh, I don't really eat cheese anymore. It's going to be a long story. They don't care about. Boo, I know. I do care about it. Actually. I love dietary things. I'm, I'm trying to cut down on my dairy consumption. Trying to get those abs to pop. You know, I'm working on it. <laughs> but uh, so I found this. I don't know why, but I think I was randomly on Instagram and I have another friend. We just send like cheese poll videos because we both <laughs> love cheese. So stupid. Uh, actually, it's Emilio's the one who introduced me to her years ago, Nicole. Um, but anyways, I, I found this picture of a cheeseburger, just this gorgeous picture of a cheeseburger. And I think I was kind of like taunting Becky about, you know, just this is because she's vegan. This is such a beautiful picture of a cheeseburger that I would hang it on my wall. And because she has a zany sense of humor, a week or two later, she sends me uh, via Etsy. She sends me the exact same picture of that cheeseburger blown up on a canvas. And uh, I refuse to put it on my walls. It just kind of leans against the wall. But yeah, she thought it was the funniest thing in the world when I told her. But wouldn't it be so funny if like, say, I mean, we got into like your whole like dating world conversation the last time you're on the show, but like you are on a date and you like bring someone to the house and the sole piece of artwork is just like this canvas cheeseburger. If you're 35 years old and you have nothing else, this is the one thing you value. Like this is the one thing in your life, not, not aunts, uncles, parents, kids, like not even you as a kid. Let me put this picture of a cheeseburger. That's the only thing on my wall. I would think something is terribly wrong with this human and I would flee. You could think that there's something wrong with them. Or like, I would go to like the psychological side and be like, dude, like, cause I would just assume based off of your physique. I'm like, does this dude just not had a cheeseburger in forever? Is this why he is honoring it so much? <laughs> what is happening here? I would feel bad for you. I'd be like, just eat the fucking burger, man. Like, have it. Treat yourself. Treat your damn self. You might be onto something. I might yeah. be. Um, okay, so walk me through the day. Give me the goods. You know you're cashing. And actually, wait, let's just roll it back to you putting out the tweet that you were going to be cashing in the money in the bank contract. Cause I got very excited about this. This does not normally happen in the world of wrestling where you have a little telegraph to what's going to happen. How'd you feel about this? I didn't know I was going to raw until that Saturday. So we had already probably Saturday afternoon. So we had, we did the show in New York and I was driving from New York to DC. And then I just got a call that, you know, my travel and everything was adjusted. So I was like, okay, I'm going to raw. But it wasn't until like Monday afternoon, pretty much right before I sent the tweet that it was like, all right, all systems are go. And this is, this is what we're doing. So pretty much from then on, it feels like my life 
change because uh, everything has been so much more hectic. Had a bunch of people reach out and do interviews that Monday. Like, it's like, all right, we need to do these interviews Monday afternoon. It's like, nothing's been done yet. I just sent out a tweet. But like, it was already, things were already in motion. You know how it is in, in our industry. You don't really know until it happens. So I always kept waiting for some kind of a, a swerve or a segment to run too long or something to happen um, that I have to backpedal or maybe just even lose the, the briefcase. So uh, I, I know. Did you think that was maybe a possibility? No. I don't want this to sound arrogant, but a part of me did. But a larger part of me thought there's no way this is going to happen because people would lose their minds. Like people, people would be upset. There would be riots. Yeah. People would trip. That's not good heat. That's not like compelling. Ooh, let me watch. That's, that's like, all right, you've let me down once more. Heat. It's funny. I was just talking to Emilio about this and I had responded to some people on Twitter who thought that I did like an interview. So I was like saying, I hate when I do interviews and something gets taken out of context and becomes a headline, whatever, but I don't even know which website it was. Maybe you never saw it. Who cares? But it was a thing saying like that. I said that it was just for ratings and blah, 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 which like to that point, I was like, no, I'm saying because big E is the shit. Of course you want him to have the title. He's the story. Yes. But when things get taken out of context like that, again, because in the wrestling world, you don't want to be let down again. And this was a moment that everyone got what they wanted and it was magical. And that's the thing that you want in professional wrestling. You don't get it all the time, but when you get it, it's the time to celebrate. Exactly. And I think, too, obviously, you know, titles and reigns and all that stuff is important, too. But I think what's magical about our business is the moments. And you want like making those moments and having them crescendo the right way. That's that's the reason I think people love professional wrestling. Oftentimes you have to sift through a lot of stuff that's not always the best. But when it's right and when it's done right. It's beautiful. And and like to backtrack a little bit, I had a few people send me the headline of your and I already knew I didn't even click on it because I know you and I knew the way. And that's that's also the nature. And I get I'm not here to like point fingers at whoever wrote the headline or who wrote the article. I understand that's how that's how people click on things like, oh, that's if, if you had a very reasonable take that a thousand people had already said, it's not really going to get much attention. I had like I had friends who aren't even in the wrestling business send me it to. And oh I said, my God. I know, I know. And I was that like, makes me relax. So sad. That like, really <laughs> yes. bums me out. I'm like, oh, my what? Get no, but you're good. And I, and I and I knew it. And I was like, I didn't even click on it because I knew. The way it was framed, I'm sure I knew I know you and I knew. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't even worried about it. And I've said stuff, too, before. Oh, that makes me so sad. I'm like, he probably never even saw it. You're like, no, actually, a bunch of people. I saw it many, many <laughs> times because it was sent to me by a lot of people. But no, like, I don't. Oh, and I, I get it. I get it. No, but it was it was more than fine. And, and I knew if I clicked on it and actually read the quote, yeah. I'm sure you would have. Yeah. So I didn't worry about it. Oh but yeah, my that's, God. that's just kind of the nature of, um, I suppose, reporting or journalism, especially in, in wrestling. So eh, it is what it is. I hate things like that so much. Like I was, I was just um, I just had Anthony Smith on the show and it was him I was talking to about this, about like that feeling after you walk away from an interview and you're like something I said can be taken out of context. Like, is that going to be a headline? When I see my name in a headline, it honestly makes my stomach turn. I'm like, no, I don't like I don't like being a part of any of this shit. It freaks me out. Like it all makes me feel very uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, when it's something like that, especially about like a dear friend of mine, I'm like, okay, everyone <laughs> pump the brakes. Everyone calm down. Anyways, who cares about that? You're the WWE champion and it's the best thing ever. So run me through more of the day. What else happened? 
Um, I'm trying to remember, and everything was such a blur. Okay, so Monday, so I was at the gym. I sent the tweet uh, and then had to finish up and then headed over to Boston. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess when you think of, I think of memorable cash-ins. I was there with Dolph, which was the night after Mania. Uh, I think of uh, Seth's too, was at Mania. And so, you know, if I had to pick one, it probably would be, would have been something like that. You know, just one of the bigger shows where you have, you know, maybe 100,000 people. Like that, those are, are cash-ins that are very memorable as opposed to, you can argue that it was just a, a random raw. But I will say the nice part was I, I do have some real Boston connections. So it was cool. Like when, when I realized, all right, it's going to be here in Boston. You know, there's the fact that Kofi's from Boston. Um, my sister, unfortunately, was so last minute. Um, she couldn't get there. But I have a sister who lives in Boston. My other sister just moved from Boston, where she'd lived a while ago. My mom went to BC and Tufts. So I was like, okay, at least this isn't this isn't a town that I have no connections to, and it's random. So I was. Um, it was cool when I realized, all right, it's Boston. I have some real roots here. Once I got to the building, it was just going the entire time, just knocking things out, doing segments, backstage stuff, trying to figure out my travel, because then uh, instead of going home Tuesday, now you're sticking around and doing the bump Wednesday morning, which meant um, I was just going to I stayed in Brooklyn Tuesday and then drove up early Wednesday morning from Brooklyn to Connecticut. So just trying to get my life together and figure out some kind of a schedule. I also had this leak in my house and I, I <laughs> left. Yeah. And I, I left for the loop and I was like, all right, I think I'm going to be fine. These are things that people don't care about, but I live alone. And now instead of, I had this, I kept pushing back this appointment. I was like, these people are going to just never work on my AC again. Thankfully I got home in time and it's just, these are adult, like boring things that people don't tell you when you buy a house that you have to do all the time. Dude, I know it's a nightmare. Yeah, I needed. I guess the drain line needed to be cleaned out because there was a leak in and thing. It wasn't too bad, but I just didn't want to get home and have my uh, spare bedroom underwater or anything. But yeah, everything was good there. But yeah, it's just uh, just trying to get my life in order is all it's been since scheduling things and whatnot. Cool. It's so it to me when I talk about it. It feels boring when I'm talking about all the things I'm doing. It's like, oh, this this is all very boring. But this is this is what I do now. Has it like sunk in of like that feeling of like, I'm the guy now. You're the guy. And I know it's been like a long time coming. You know, this was like a thing that I had said with the thing that got taken out of context. Uh, but it's like the thing that's so cool about your your cash in and your win and you as WWE champion is like you being that homegrown guy. Through WWE, I mean, you coming in through NXT, people have been such a part of your career from the get go. People want to attach themselves to that, to be able to watch you when you started at NXT. Um, and, you know, like we were saying, it's like sometimes you got to sift through the bad to get to the good. And I mean that in terms of like, you know, from all sorts of programming to like who's getting the push, when's it stopping, what's going on to like these ebbs and flows of your career to finally getting that cash in. It's just so cool to be able to see it. But has that moment sunk in? I mean, over your decade tenure of your time in WWE to be there. I suppose it has sunk in. I don't know. Like for me, I, I don't want there ever to be a moment where I feel like I had an I made it moment where like, all right, you've done it. And now you're you're good. You can coast because I just I think that's like when that's when you stop growing. That's when you stop getting better. That's when you just kind of, you know, nothing good comes from that. So for me, I suppose in the sense of I don't necessarily feel a pressure, but I know there's a, an added responsibility. So for me, it's still just go out there and perform to the best of your ability. And that's always been my perception. But I, I do think, you know, there there are ways that um, I think I want to just tweak a little bit of, you know, just my presentation. When you're the guy, it's a little bit different. 
than when you're in a three-man group, you know, working tag matches. So I think just the way I carry myself will be a little bit different. But, um, you know, that's all a a feel thing. And just uh, I always feel like every performer should have an internal barometer and you should have an understanding of when to change things or, or when you like, you know, you should have an understanding of how the fans are reacting to you on a weekly basis. So for me, that's just a matter of feeling things out, but it's nice that there's this new challenge. And that's all I really wanted in my career is to not feel bored or stale. And I'm glad like we have something new to attack. And uh, yeah, it, it's nice that, you know, there are a bunch of things that I never you know, like the Goldberg match when I was making, you know, making my stupid little comments about uh, big meaty men. I never really thought I'd get the Goldberg match. But now I sit in a position where, you know, maybe if I make enough noise, he's still under contract. We can get that done. And, you know, people will feel different ways about it. I understand that. And I appreciate fans who have an affinity to the performers who are there on the house shows working every single night, you know, because I feel like we are the heart of this company. You know, we're the, we're the ones that keep this thing going. But in the same vein, like, man, if someone throw, were to throw a bundle of cash at me at age 50 to work like two or three times a year, who, who am I to turn that down? Um, so we'll see. But yeah, it's um, I suppose it, it has hit me in a sense, but I don't think anything vastly changes from the way I approach like my job. It's just now you're going to be in, in more segments and a little bit more spotlight on you, but uh, it's going to be fun. Dude, thank you for coming on here uh, yet again. Repeat customer, the WWE champion. I could not be happier for you. Not a better person to have at the tippy top of this business. So really excited to see this journey for you. Oh, thank you, Nanny. I appreciate you. My dude. Oh. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. Just been hanging out, doing the dad thing all morning and stopping in to hang out for a bit. What is a morning like for you when you're in dad mode? Typically, I wake up with a four-year-old banging an iPad on my face. Perfect. Trying to figure out if she can watch it or not. <laughs> and uh, I usually let her crawl in bed with me for a little while and watch yeah. it. Her, her, her two sisters get up, they get showered and I'm mixed. So they all have crazy curly hair. So that's usually a disaster. <laughs> have you mastered the hair? I have. Good. I'm, 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 I'm pretty proud of that, to be honest, because <laughs> it's pretty tough. What's your like go to? Are you like YouTubing stuff? Like, how did you figure out how to do little girl hair? Well, my wife I honestly figured a lot of it out. Just and, and I have a little sister, too. So she helped a little bit there. Nice. That's impressive. Um, okay. So I have a three month old daughter. I have been a mom for like 90 days. I'm figuring it out. So our daughter sleeps in bed with us. Did you guys do this? With our first one, we didn't know any better. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Like, you don't know. That was the biggest shock to me. I had researched every little thing of like having a baby. What do we do? How does this go? And then we got her home. I was like, oh my God, I think about where she, like you assume she's going to sleep in like a bassinet or something, but that's just not really the reality when you bring, at least not for us, but I know it's like that big, no, no, I'm probably going to get roasted on the internet for this. So whatever, have at it. Our oldest slept with us for like the whole first year of her life. We were kind of the same way. Like we thought, oh yeah, we'll just like do this pack and play or the bassinet or like next to the bed. And and my wife is always breastfed. So like being in the same room is obviously much more convenient, it's, you know, in the middle of the night, nobody wants to meander around the house at four in the morning. Like you don't really figure the schedule out. So it's, it's easier just to lay with them. And, and that that's just how it worked. I, I think for like the first 
three months or four months. I think she slept in like one of those rock and play things that rocks while she's sleeping, but it had a timer on it. So I think like every 14 minutes or something, we had to wake up and turn it back on. It's like the only thing she would sleep in. It was awful. <laughs> How did you get her out of your bed? I'm like, I'm not even close to it, but like, oh my God. I just had to leave. It was just, they just cried out, you know, like it was a mess. My wife stayed home the first time uh, she was working then. And she stayed home for like the 12 weeks from work. And she worked overnight uh, at a hospital and our oldest had such bad, like separation anxiety. If I had hair, I'd have pulled it all out. It was terrible. I remember it being like winter time and like a foot of snow on the ground. I just had to go. I remember going out on the back deck and like just leaving her in her room. Cause she was just hysterical and I couldn't get her to calm down or, or anything. So I remember like sitting in like a foot of snow and like shorts and no shirt on and just sat there like, what in the fuck did I do? Like, what did we do? This is, <laughs> it's really scary <laughs> when, they, so our daughter did that last night and same thing. Like my daughter's with me. A lot of the time, my husband travels wrestling, like he's busy a lot. So my daughter's with me a majority of the time, but he got, home last night, passed the baby off to him and she fucking lost it. Like lost it. And to the point that like I had her back and like, she was not coming. I think she had gas or like, I don't know what was going on, but I'm walking in the backyard with her. I'm like pacing around the pool. I'm like, my neighbors probably think I'm like pinching my kid. She was flipping out. But when that happens, like it's a scary moment you're like, is there another adult here? Cause I'm the one that's responsible for this. And I don't know what the fuck to do. I own this thing. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, with Like is there a return policy? What's going on? Is she broken? What happened? Fortunately, the hospital that she worked at at the time where we lived was pretty close. It was only like a five or 10 minute drive. So it would get so bad. I mean, it would be hours. She'd leave at seven o'clock at night and she'd call to check in at like 10. And she'd still be losing her shit. So she'd just have to drive home real quick from work and tell her coworkers, like, hey, I'll be right back. Like, give me 15 or 20 minutes. And she'd have to drive. She'd walk in the door, hold the baby, the baby go right to sleep. And I would be, <laughs> I'd be even more pissed about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've been doing this shit for three hours and it took you 10 minutes. This is so I yeah. figured it out. Eventually, I just <laughs> like the car. Yeah. So, like, I just take her in car rides. So, we, you know, every night, that's what we did for, for months. I just take her <laughs> in the car and we drive around for like 30 minutes. And I just really carefully try to carry her back in the house. And sometimes she'd wake up and we'd go back driving. When I just started doing the serious show and having that like three hour chunk, she's with my husband that whole time. And by the time I come downstairs, he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, she, and then as soon as I take her and plop her down next to me, she's like, okay, I'm good. And the same thing. He's like, you've got to be kidding me why like what the hell yeah it's not so babies everybody have a baby it's a great time what an adventure it gets easier though you you figure it out as you have more kids you you figure it out like what works and what doesn't like i remember the the youngest she's four now but my wife was like oh we'll just let her sleep with us tonight i was like not a fucking chance (laughs) i'm not doing this shit again and but then i kind of messed that one up too because she's super attached to me my wife was in nursing school, like finishing school when she was, when she was a baby. So she was with me a lot. So she's still super attached to me. So then I would, you know, then I'd lay in bed with her to, in her bed. Then every single night I have to spend an hour laying in bed with her. And so we had to get out of that too, but <laughs> better than her being in her that's for sure. Honestly, it's like, whatever's going to make them happier. Like, it's fine. We'll deal with the repercussions of this stuff later. Who cares? Whatever gets us through it. How do you like balance training and all of that and in dad life. I mean, that's got to be pretty difficult to, to kind of strike the balance between all that when you're in fight camp. Yeah. Well, out of camp is different. So when I'm out of camp, it's, it's fairly simple. You know, the, the, as of right now, the three we have are, are in school. 
the youngest is in like half days, but my wife doesn't work. So that's pretty simple. I train in the evening time just to kind of, it's more of like a maintenance thing, kind of skill building, just trying to stay in shape and, and continue to grow my technique part of my game. But when I'm in camp, that one's really tough. So I do all my training camps in Denver and I have since 2015 or 2017 rather. So I go out Monday morning. I think the, there's like a United flight that leaves at 6 a.m. So I leave here at 6 a.m. Monday morning and then I make it to practice in time for my first team training session in Denver at 10 a.m. Train all week long. I stay in Denver and then Friday, uh, there's like a 450 flight. So I spar Friday mornings and then I jump on that 450 flight home Friday and then I'm home Friday evening. So, okay, I've got a couple of questions. One, driving to that fucking Denver airport is such a kick in the ass. It's horrible. It's so far from everything. Who decided to put the fucking airport nowhere what close the to the city? It's horrible, <laughs> especially when you're like on the West Coast. You're like, I can get a later flight out. I'll be able to red eye, like no problem. And you're like, oh, no, it's like an hour to the airport. So buckle up for that. And then there's like the fucking demon stallion outside with the red blaring eyes. Right. That's <laughs> it's weird, isn't so it? so weird. Such a bizarre airport. But changing the altitude, going back and forth, does that fuck you up? Initially, the first couple of weeks, I'm usually pretty, pretty toasted. I got wicked headaches and tired and just the altitude, just training in altitude when you live not altitude, like closer to sea level is pretty shitty. But in the end, I think it helps my conditioning. I think it gives me an advantage over a lot of guys in the game just because I train at altitude. I can't even imagine. I mean, I mean, first of all, I'm not an athlete, so I extra can't imagine. But um, we would do shows with WWE in Denver often. I remember like, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to hit the gym really quick before we pop out to go grab some drinks. I jumped on the treadmill. I was like, why can I not run? What is happening? I could not figure out what's happening with my body. Like I just didn't take into account the uh, the altitude. And I was like, oh, gotcha. And also that first drink rocks your world. I was just going to say, you got to watch out for that <laughs> yes. drink too. Oh, it's terrible. Gotta be prepared and easy. Honestly. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So I really wanted to have you pop on my podcast because I got to have you pop on uh, Throwing Down with Renee and Misha, our serious XM show. Um, but we only got to talk to you for a little bit. And I feel like there's so much more to talk to you about that I really wanted to like go a little bit more in depth with you about. Um, you know, coming off of this victory over, over Ryan Span, the first round submission, congratulations. Hell of a fucking showing. But it was it was afterwards, you know, you guys got into the, you know, it was a little testy between the two of you, especially you over him. You know, you had the, the post fight interview and just talking about feeling disrespected and that he was not respecting your journey through your entire MMA career. And yeah, I, I just kind of want to get more into that about what the whole story of your journey. I mean, obviously, like, you know, you can research you and hop on Wikipedia and read different articles here and there. But, you know, I just wanted to talk to you more about what that journey is to slap a little more fucking respect on your name. I didn't need to swear on that. That was aggressive. Can we delete the swearing? <laughs> oh, we're probably going to do a lot of swearing. <laughs> if anyone watched my post-fight interview, I, I will not shy away from a swear word or two. I never think about it when it flies out of my mouth. But if I hear it back, I'm like, you are such a piece of shit. Like, I sound like such trash. Why do I speak like that? I'm from Nebraska, so I, I feel like I trust people more when they curse. I don't know why. Like, if you have like a pretty constant F word that flies out of your mouth, like, I feel like we could definitely be friends. Well, here we are then. Buckle up. <laughs> I got all the swear words for you. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, where do we start? Where, I mean, I guess at the very beginning, your love of MMA. I mean, for you to step into an octagon or to start training, what was sort of the thing that sparked that for you, that, that love? I didn't even have a love for MMA. I had my first amateur fight when I was 17. 
I was just a, just a super fucked up kid. Like I had a lot of shitty things happen to me like really what? early. My dad was never around. And, uh, I, you know, I lived in a rat or in Colorado Springs for, for a little while. And then we moved to like, be closer to family. Like my parents got divorced when I was real young and my dad was a crack cocaine addict and super abusive to my mom. And so they got divorced and my grandparents came out to Colorado to kind of help with the kids. And it just, she wanted to be closer to the rest of the family. So we moved to a little small town in Nebraska. It's called Nebraska city. Uh, it's made five or 6,000 people at the most. And I was not that I'm super tan or anything, but I was, I'm definitely different compared to like, you know, middle America white folks. So I, I just had a tough time kind of me and my sister just kind of blending in. We're like the only people of color in our entire school. So you know, there's some bullying and, and just some of that bullshit that goes along with that. I was able to kind of clear that pretty fast because the only thing people in Nebraska really give a shit about is sports. So if you're good at something, they can look past all the other stuff that bothers them. Like maybe we don't like black people, but you can play ball. We, we can, we can be friends. So were you getting into fights with, with kids that were like bullying you or, you know, whoever was kind of bullying you? Not initially. So I was raised with all women. And or by all women, it was just me and four females in the house. So like I've always had a softer side to me. So I was like fighting wasn't really my thing. Like I really liked playing football, but like I wasn't super into confrontation and fighting. So eventually I just got sick of it. Like once my grandpa passed away, I kind of just stopped giving a fuck about anything. I just, it didn't matter anymore. How old were you when your grandfather passed away? I think it was 14, 15. So you felt like you had to like really step up and like now you're really the man of the house. Yeah. And young. That's still super young. Yeah. And he was like my hero. You know, he was the only father figure I'd ever had. And he was like, this is the coolest goddamn dude in the world. So it kind of wrecked me. It really did. It, it just, and I, you know, it, he died of cancer. He just wasted away, you know, like right in front of us. And it was just me and my mom taking care of him. So I was helping give him baths and helping him get up and down and giving him his meds. And like, like I was his caretaker. What kind of cancer did he have? Um, well, it started in his throat. Uh, he already had it like a kidney disease. So then it, it went straight to his kidneys after that. From his diagnosis to the time he died was like six months. So it was really fast. And once he died, that's when I really started getting in a lot of trouble. I started partying really hard. And I really stopped giving a fuck about anybody. So the second someone would say something, I just lose my shit and I just start fighting. That always leads to other problems. You know, you're getting in trouble and getting arrested. And so I did that whole song and dance for a really long time. How many times did you get arrested? Oh, several. Can't even tell you a lot. <laughs> At one point in time, I was actually awarded to the state because um, my mom couldn't control me. Oh, shit. What happens with that? Like, what does that even like mean? It just means that like... <sighs> Now the the state kind of gets to control what you do. And, you know, then they threaten you with like removing you from the home. And, you know, it's just a, it was a oh mess. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How was your mom during all that? I mean, she was, she was, you know, just did her best. Always a fantastic provider. Always worked really hard, you know, gave us anything we ever wanted. It's just, um, I, I guess I needed someone, not something. She's very good at giving things. She's also, you know, she's a workaholic to this day. She still just, that's all she does. She'd rather be at work than anywhere else. So what does she do? Um, she's like in, uh, administration of nursing, like she's like an administrator at a assisted living facility. Same thing she's always done. So yeah, like she just wasn't around that much. It was just me and my hurt feelings you know, all the time. So yeah, I just, I was, I was just in trouble and I was partying so fucking hard. And I just dropped out of high school and I seen this like flyers, like this really crude little bullshit black and white flyer. It said something like amateur fight night. And I was like, Oh, what's that shit? Let's go watch it. So only my, one of my buddies grabbed like a 12 pack of beer and booze cruise to Omaha, which is like an hour and 15 minutes. 
I was like, well, we'll just watch it and see what this shit's all about. And it was like the coolest goddamn thing in the world. Like looking back <laughs> at it, like it's like, I can't believe that shit was legal. It wasn't even, it wasn't even sanctioned on, in, like by the athletic commission at that time. What was like the setup for it? it was like some like underground fight club shit. Yeah. Kind of. It was called Omaha fight club. And, and they kind of marketed it to the, to the gang members a lot. Like put your guns down, put your fists up. And so like a lot of like, you know, like rival gangs were bringing some of their beefs to this place and they just fight it out like in a safe space. Anthony, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and spilling your guts and giving me the whole backstory. All of that. Um, cannot wait to see what happens, whether it's December or when this rematch is going to happen, but really looking forward to seeing what, what other future holds for you. Well, thank you for having me on. Hopefully uh, I didn't lose you a bunch of listeners and we can do it again sometime. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on this special edition of the best of for oral sessions. We just mash up the best from the week, let you guys get the little highlights. You can go back and listen to the full length episodes should you choose to do so. I highly recommend it because there's some good stuff in there. It's really hard to cut these down because these chats can be so great. We, we, we really do have the best guests come on here and hang out. And uh, I love being able to do that here on the show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You can go back and listen to more of the episodes. You can also watch these interviews on our YouTube page. You can just search Renee Paquette, search for the volume network, and you'll be able to find all the things. We've got the short clips. We've got the full length interviews. Find them all on there. Like, subscribe, share, turn on the notifications, all that good stuff. We'll see you guys next time on Oral Sessions. Oral Sessions.